Session 333, Chapter 3, Verse 11. Just like the custom of Pharaoh's clan and those who were before them, who denied our signs, so Allah sees them for their sins, and Allah is severe in retribution. Chapter 3, verse 11 In the previous verse, Allah told us about the disbelievers who disregard faith while chasing after worldly possessions. All they chase after, family, connections, and wealth, will be useless in the hereafter. Who was the best example of chasing after greed and power? Perhaps Pharaoh. God used the word custom to describe the actions of such people. To be accustomed to doing something means that you worked hard without interruption to establish a habit. We say, so-and-so is accustomed to gossip and backbiting. Does this mean that all of this person's actions are limited to gossip and backbiting? No, but gossip is his or her most notable trait. God says, just like the custom of Pharaoh's clan, and those who were before them, who denied our signs. Allah wants you to consider what happened to such people as their punishment was not postponed to the hereafter. He says, Just like the custom of Pharaoh's clan and those who were before them, who denied our signs, so Allah seized them for their sins, and Allah is severe in retribution. Chapter 3, verse 11 On the other hand, just because they were seized in this world, Allah does not want you to think that they escaped the punishment of the hereafter. He says, There is a punishment for them in this world, but the punishment of the hereafter will be harder. No one will shield them against God. Chapter 13, verse 34 Here you may ask, If God has reserved the severe punishment for the hereafter, then why are people also punished in this world? We answer that if all punishment was postponed to the hereafter, people's lives would become wretched from the sinners who see no consequences to their actions. Thus, God gives us many real-life examples, from Pharaoh to modern oppressors. Anyone who makes a habit out of greed and transgression is subject to God's retribution, and such punishments are not limited to ancient history. Listen to God's words. By the dawn, by the ten nights, by the even and the odd, and by the passing night. Is this oath strong enough for a rational person? Have you considered how your Lord dealt with the people of Ad of Iram, the city of lofty pillars, the likes of which has never been made in any land, and the people of Thamud, who hollowed out the rocks in the valley, and Pharaoh of the stakes in the ground? All of them committed excesses in their lands and spread corruption. So your Lord poured a scourge of punishment over them. Behold, your Lord is always on the watch. Chapter 89, verses 1 through 14. Our Lord is always on the watch for people who make denial, greed, and transgression their custom. Allah will reward their behavior with severe punishment. When you hear the words guilt and punishment, you immediately think that a crime or sin was committed. But there is something else I would like you to think about. Before sin and crime, 
there must be laws and teachings that specify which acts are criminal and sinful. There is no sin without a text. A person cannot be punished except by a pre-existing law clarifying what is considered a crime. You cannot start arresting people and say, we decided that what you were doing is a punishable crime. Rather, it is necessary to pass laws, give warnings, and present a clear text explaining criminal behavior. Only then punishment can be exercised. Put simply, there is no punishment without a crime, there is no crime without a law, and there is no law without a text. God says, Whoever accepts guidance does so for his own good. Whoever strays does so at his own peril. No soul will bear another's burden, nor do we punish until we have sent a messenger. Chapter 17, verse 15 The Qur'anic text about any sin or punishment confirms the legal process that we all recognize around the world. God informs, sends ample signs and messengers, and only after repeated warning does the punishment fall. He says, Just like the custom of Pharaoh's clan and those who were before them, who denied our signs, so Allah sees them for their sins, and Allah is severe in retribution. Chapter 3, verse 11 Let's look at another example from the Qur'an. God says, Indeed, Allah does not forgive that any partner should be ascribed to him but he forgives anything besides that to whomever he wishes. And whoever associates any partner with God has indeed fabricated a most heinous sin. Chapter 4, verse 48 Again, the law is clear. God may forgive all sin except for ascribing partners unto him, because partnership with God is declared as the greatest crime. Now listen to the following verse. Say, my servants who have committed excesses against their own souls do not despair of God's mercy. God forgives all sins. He is truly the most forgiving, the most merciful. Chapter 39, verse 53 Some people claim that there is an inconsistency. In one verse, God proclaims that He does not forgive ascribing partners to Him. Yet in the second verse, He says, Do not despair of God's mercy. God forgives all sins. Isn't that a contradiction? We answer that, to the contrary, if you take the time to study the verses properly, you will find beautiful consistency. God starts verse 53 of chapter 39 with the phrase, Say, my servants. In other words, Allah is addressing His followers and worshippers who believe in His oneness, yet they have sinned. Their sins have not reached the highest level where they ascribe partners to God. Thus, they have hope in God's mercy. As for those who ascribe partners to God, they are not among God's servants, and their sins will not be forgiven. The Messenger said, My Lord, my people treat this Qur'an as something to be ignored. Chapter 25, verse 30 Do not abandon God's book. Please take a moment to subscribe and to share with your family and friends. Visit us at www.qurangarden.com.